Live from the Tech Talk Studios hey. in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, it's your favorite time of the week. It's time for Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost. My co-host, the data doc of talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, we're back together again. It's Friday time. It's time for Tech Talk, man. It feels like it's been too long, man. I, I've missed you. I don't think we uh, we did a session last week, and it feels like it's been a year. We did. I actually did some rebroadcasting, some remix of some old broadcasts, put them back up on the audio site. So everybody kept saying, I want to listen to them while I'm, I'm in my car. And so I, I reformatted and put everything up on the Anchor FM website. If people want to go to that website and uh, listen to the audio, it's also on Apple iPod and Spotify. So it's yeah, it's great to be with you. We're actually going to be with each other uh, next week in Orlando, yes, Florida, teaching uh, yep. a little technology. But listen, I was thinking about it. What expert could we bring on? Because uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about something close to you, artificial intelligence, man. Yeah, you, it's my, not my like intelligence true is very intelligence. artificial. It's not, yeah, it's it's not very not strong like have, at all. You don't have true intelligence. You have really an artificial form of intelligence, I believe. <laughs> it's artificial. 100% artificial. Not real at all. <laughs> no, listen, I tell you what, you're one of the smartest data guys that I know, especially in healthcare. But today we do have an expert on about machine learning, artificial intelligence. We throw those words out a lot of times. And I know part of our audience doesn't even understand what we're talking about. So yep. why don't you introduce our guest? Let's get started talking. It'd be my pleasure. So I'm super excited to introduce Tony Lemus. Tony, we met through a mutual friend, Brad, uh, Michael Coates, who's just, you know, a, a, a fantastic human being. Um, lots of fun. Works with us on the Future of Chiropractic Strategic Plan. And when we were having a conversation one day, he's like, you've got to meet my buddy, Tony. He's got this stellar background. He's got this great intersection of knowledge between healthcare and technology. So let me introduce our guest today, who is the president of Inner Self Technologies. He's out of California, Mr. Tony Lemus. Tony, welcome, buddy. Hi, Jay. Hi, Brad. Great to hey, see Tony. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you again, man. We've been having several conversations talking about lots of ways that we can collaborate with all of our companies. Uh, but Tony, before we get into that, let's just, you know, let's give the audience a little bit of background about yourself, please, because uh, you've got a tremendous background. Sure. Um, so I've um, I have my degrees in uh, electrical engineering and physics, and I have my did all my graduate doctoral work in experimental astrophysics. Um, I love to build. So that, things. Hold on, that makes you a rocket scientist, right? Well, I don't build the rockets. I'm not a Stephen Hawking's, but I love to build the stuff that Stephen Hawking's uses uh, used in the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I describe it. I love it. I love I'm it. a little dangerous with explosives, but uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. but um, now let's see. I um, I I was uh, everyone thought I was going to go work at NASA and ended up uh, taking a job with uh, Allergan and got into the medical device field. At that point, I've been doing medical device diagnostics and and artificial intelligence for the last 33, four years. Of, yeah, 34 years of my life. Uh, worked at Allergan, worked at Pfizer, worked in pharmaceuticals, uh, then worked for Johnson & Johnson for a good 14-year career there. Um, I, I handled the 
corporate technology for a medical device and diagnostics group. Then I uh, went off and consulted with companies who were struggling uh, with algorithm design and product design. And then uh, then I, I formed, I went off to two, star, uh, two startups, uh, turned them around and started my own startup, Intersoft Technologies. Um, we'll, we could talk about that here in a little bit. Um, sure. And then, um, and I, and I teach over at the university, I teach at Chapman University, um, and I teach electrical engineering and computer science and machine learning uh, applications. So it's, it's so awesome. And when I looked at your background, um, when Michael introduced, you know, you to Brad and I, um, I saw that you are a six Sigma black belt and, yeah. and a lot people have heard me speak. You know, I teach very, I teach very basic information on Six Sigma, um, but but maybe you could just share with the audience because you know Six Sigma started in manufacturing, obviously, and now it's deeply entrenched in healthcare. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what your experience was with Six Sigma. Like, how did you come across it? Why did you decide that you wanted to be trained as a black belt? You know, what does a black belt mean? And and what's the impact that Six Sigma not only has had on your career, but what Six Sigma can do for other healthcare providers out there? Sure. Uh, there's there's three aspects of Six Sigma. Uh, number one is um, optimizing your customer requirements. So making your customers the most satisfied people that are out there that touch your products and processes. Uh, and especially in healthcare, you want ultimate patient satisfaction. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. The driver mechanisms around that was just part two of what Six Sigma is. It's understanding the processes that touch your patient, touch your customer. Are they optimal? Are you, everyone talks about lean and getting the best cost bang for buck and everything. But in the end, it's really, are you spending money to make the customer the most satisfied person out there? And part of that is looking at each individual part of your process and asking, is it robust? And every business has to improve. Every product has to improve. It's it's a continuous journey and nothing's ever perfect. You can never get anything perfect. And then the third part of Six Sigma is actually using statistics and, and I call it the Six Sigma math to actually look at and analyze how the customer is reacting and using your products and putting that into statistics so that making sure that you have the right, what I call driver mechanisms of the product and process that you're focused on to make them happy. Um, every business, I mean, it, it got big in Motorola with the semiconductors because they used to build semiconductors and used to roll the dice to see they made the right one to build a catalog. Right. And in Japan, where, where I learned a lot of the techniques over in Japan, um, you know, professional Perfection is really key, and Toyota is really kind of the probably the best practitioner of Six Sigma. But how they've integrated into culture and making sure the customer center of the entire business process is really key, and using statistics around it to measure it each and every day is really what Six Sigma is about. And that's kind of been a big driver in my career, and that's why I love designing products and processes, and especially working on artificial intelligence. Because right now, the big big uh, go getter right now is to see if you can automate everything. And, and to do that, you got to make sure you understand your customer before you start automating things and they start getting upset. <laughs> so in a nutshell, hey man, <laughs> I, I love it. I think, you know, I think providers, you know, especially the, the audience that I think we speak to, it's, it's the chiropractors who have these great offices and they're taking care of their patients really, really well. And they've got 
processes and sometimes they're documented. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you know how to fix a defect. Sometimes they don't. Um, Six Sigma, you know, when I learned about it, I learned about it driving back and forth to Philly, going to the Wharton Business uh, School, small business development program. And I was listening to the book, Jack, Jack Welch, uh, straight from Mm -hmm. the gut. Um, And he was talking about Six Sigma. And I learned like, oh, my God, I really need to understand how defects occur in my processes so I can fix them so I don't go bankrupt, literally, so I don't go bankrupt. Um, and it changed my life forever. So I feel like, you know, for we don't have time to talk, you know, get into great detail about Six Sigma today. But for those of you out there that are running businesses, you all have processes. Learn about Six Sigma, because when you can control those three to five key variables that drive the result that you're looking for, it changes your life. So. Brad, I'm sure you you know you guys have you, your your customer service is so damn good. Like <laughs> the defects, I don't even. I literally, I've been a customer of yours for over ten years. We were just talking about this. I've never experienced a defect with your company. I've never experienced a defect with Infinity. So your processes are probably well beyond Six Sigma, like ninety nine point nine 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 six. Correct, you know, percent correct. Well, you know, we still have defects. There's no question about that. But we, we don't see them we, as customers. We, 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 no, we try to, we try to, um, we try to cover them. We try to not cover them, but we try to weed them out before they occur. Most of them yep. have been, you know, learning from the the hard side of the coin. And we, I would love to do a Six Sigma kind of study on us. Now we we have data scientists that are looking at our processes right now. We're getting ready to change customers' processes. Uh, because hey, we want to automate some of the mundane pieces. And as a businessman, I know that labor is going to be the most difficult thing to get in the future. And so if I can take the that we're doing that technology can be applied to, then we can really focus on the things that we need to be talking to the customers about and helping them with. And that's what we're trying to do today. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Tony, how how did you get from uh, J&J to ultimately starting your own company that's really focused on health, healthcare and technology? And I'm really also curious to know, like, what were the stumbling blocks that you have encountered in that journey and how did you overcome them? Yeah. Um, so my career kind of shifted. Uh, my last year at Pfizer, I got moved into the operations world. And then when I got to Johnson & Johnson, I, I was in technology, but then I got moved into the commercialization of products and the customer service aspect to understand how the patients ultimately that were using all these products were were feeling about the products, how they were using the products and getting all that data. And it's a big data gold mine when you look at all that. And, um, and what I found was that a lot of data was being collected, but no one, it was data without understanding the information that was around the data. And and the large companies at that time were coming out with this word called business intelligence. Um, you know, everyone's talking about BI, you know, they're building up and they're hiring all these people to put all the spreadsheets, SQL databases and all this fun stuff, just put the data down. But I think the big observation I saw was the fact that no one really knew how to extract the information and to do statistics around the information to actually come up with a conclusion. So that was my first um, kind of my preface into this whole world. And being a technologist, I thought, well, why don't I come up and design medical device products that start 
can start to use automated information analysis. So making inferences about what the condition of a patient is and then using that information to make diagnostics uh, decisions and also the end in uh, end state of what type of treatment you're going to get. So I started with uh, physical therapy, which I'm a marathon runner and a long distance bike rider. And, uh, you know, injuries are just part of the game. Uh, you know, your calf muscles hurt and you're sore. And uh, I just I'm sorry, Jay, but I just don't have time to see a physical therapist and, <laughs> and a chiropractor and getting. I mean, when you start looking at these things, uh, you know, this is how people get hurt. They're not seeing the experts out there. Uh, so they should be seeing you, Jay, to get some help. But, you know, my wife will tell you I'm a real stubborn guy. So I just go off and do my own treatment and overdo the Advil. So I started looking at myself as the customer and uh, I started to design instruments that would actually read your body information using, uh, you know, what waste products you have in your muscle, heart rate, things like that. And then I started to realize that you can put all this information into a cloud and then you start building up machine learning algorithms. So you can basically what we call put the physical therapist in the cloud. Now, people are licensed practitioners of this, but what you can do is actually put together treatment programs in the cloud so people can access them and they can actually come up with a game plan to provide either a specialist provides a treatment through the device or it accesses the information in the cloud based on your condition and demographics and where your condition and actually provides a treatment. So you can lower the cost of healthcare that way. So instead of going off and spending $107 on a physical therapy massage, deep tissue massage, you're going to get an electro stim uh, that's reading information off the cloud, reading your diagnostics and actually providing a a basically a treatment for you and lower the cost down. So the only thing you're paying for is the actual device itself. Well, that was kind of a foray into understanding what where the world was going. Because to design an algorithm like that, you again take all this information that a lot of the businesses were starting to figure out in this word business intelligence, and you start learning about statistical correlations between people. But the important thing is about how decisions are made in the medical and the healthcare community. And that's about inferences and making those decisions. And that's where the complexity of some of these algorithms start coming in, but they're doable. And this is the world now. Um, orthopedic surgeries, surgeons are starting to look at, they look at an x-ray or a scan and they're trying to figure out what's my best path of treatment. And they can look it up on the internet, but now they can literally go into a, a algorithm and have it actually propose potential treatment types and potential surgical pathways in order to get the more optimal aspect of the surgery. And it helps out the insurance industry too, because the, the you know, all the cost that you would, sure. you, it would take, you know, are you doing the, pro, the best possible treatment before you're going to charge so much money for a, a more expensive treatment? Are you doing all the possible treatment? options out there and a surgeon and any and a doctor would want to look at that just to make sure they've they haven't ruled out anything and what's even more important about data you build a community you link the community together uh, people start communicating and and having conversations about uh, Tony's uh, you know hurt calf you know and they said and someone doctor over in Australia said I I saw that you know a couple years ago this is what I did but it links everybody together and that's what the world's coming to now is yeah, there's artificial intelligence, but I think the community is getting closer thanks to data. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's absolutely right. You know what? If the audience out there is going, holy crap, this is over my head. Listen, fasten your seatbelts. 
chairs in the upright positions, put your trays up because we're coming back. <laughs> You're listening to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein, and our guest today, Anthony Linus. We'll be right back. Hang on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. Hi, I'm Dave Klein co-founder and director of business development for PayDC, the chiropractic industry's leading developer of cloud-based integrated practice management software. PayDC is fast, easy, and affordable to use. PayDC will significantly help you improve your practice in three main areas. Number one, it will help you reduce the amount of time needed for training. Number two, it will help you increase your revenues, both from insurance companies and your patients. And number three, the system is based on federal law, improving the quality of your documentation and helping you tell a better story of how you care for your patients. Data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. What's up, everybody? This is Dr. J here, and I'm super excited to be with my very good friend, Mr. Brad Cost, the man that I call the most important non-chiropractor in chiropractic, and our friend Tony Lemus. Tony, what's happening, brother? Hi, Jay. <laughs> So this has been a great conversation. We've covered a little bit about Six Sigma. And again, I encourage the audience to learn more. And we started to dive into this idea around the use of artificial intelligence, essentially to help clinical decision making, to help providers be better at their jobs and to build community. It's about taking all this big data and actually making sense of it all. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about the project that you're working on now um, that, you know, you told Brad and I a lot about it, which has been really cool super interesting. We see applications in our field for it, but tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing right now in the field of orthopedic surgery. Yeah. So in in the uh, world of orthopedic surgery, um, you know, there's many different ways of actually doing a surgery, but what we're trying to do is do a couple things. We're trying to uh, provide better tools using augmented reality in order to do a surgery better, but it's a lot of orthopedic surgeries are looking at the different conditions that you have to actually do the surgery. And so what we're doing with artificial intelligence, there's, and it's that word's kind of used loosely a lot of times, but uh, with artificial intelligence, it's, it's more than just image comparison. So people can compare two x-rays, two scans, and they overlay them and they say, oh, it's artificial intelligence. But what really artificial intelligence is doing, that's only level one. Level two artificial intelligence is providing information on decision-making that you 
you can infer what to do in certain situations. So what we're trying to do now is provide a tool so that the surgeons can actually look at different options as they're doing a surgery through augmented reality and using inferences to come up with the best treatment possibilities. If you're going to put a pedicle screw into a spine, things like that, you know, what angle are you going at the right angle? It does error, error feedback. So basically it's looking at the situation in the monitor as a surgeon is actually doing a procedure and actually making adjustments and providing feedback to them. So, so this tool has great uh, pre-op planning opportunities. So a surgeon can go in and actually have uh, artificial intelligence actually provide insight into a pre-op. You know, this is a procedure that's been done in multiple locations around the world. This is what's happened. These are the statistics around a procedure and provide best uh, case options out there. In the past, you had to go to the library, but it's different. Yeah, it's really it's really taking that huge community of data experience and making inferences from that. We're not letting a machine think for itself in, in certain ways. It's still populated with millions of data points, billions of data points sometimes to say, okay, if we have all of these inferences are coming together at this point in time, here's the outcomes that we've seen from that. And sometimes you can play those out in in uh, artificial reality kind of uh, uh, situations. But that can happen in any aspect of healthcare, correct? I mean, you know, that's what I've been trying to tell docs. The bigger the community we make, we can stop that. Here's what kind of services you get in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and here's what you're getting in Orlando. There is a lot of commonality in the chiropractic, physical therapy, primary care, that we can do those same inferences. Here's how the patient presents. Here here are the calming, uh, effective environmental things around that. And so here are the top three things that you need to ask that patient or follow up with that patient on to find out here are the best outcomes uh, in treatment methodology. And and I know I'm not a chiropractor, and I know I probably said that from a real lay term, but does that make sense, Jay, as as a clinician yourself? Oh, 100%. I'm like, my, my head's spinning right now because I think about all the applications of this type of technology. It could be everything from, obviously, the pre-treatment planning. Which segments are you going to adjust? Are you going to do flexion distraction? Are you going to do a McKenzie extension for a disc patient? Like, which technique are you going to actually use that's going to drive the best outcome over time? And then I actually think about the adjustment itself. So, Tony, have you ever been adjusted before? Have you ever been to a chiropractor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. So so imagine if we could tell the chiropractor, you know what? Your line of force on setup is a little too caudal. You know, maybe you need to direct the force a little more towards the head or your line of direction around this cervical adjustment is a little too much in lateral flexion. Maybe you need to create a little bit more extension or whatever it may be um, to drive better outcomes over time, like to have sensors you know, chiropractors could have sensors in on like in gloves, you know, in, in on gloves in their hands. I didn't say that correctly. Let me say it again. They could have sensors yeah. within gloves that they're wearing on their hands that could actually detect like the direction of force and the speed at which they provide the adjustment because speed is everything for the adjustment yeah. and get smarter over time. Like, I just think there's so many applications here. Yes. Yeah. Pressure, yeah. Tr- pres- yeah. pressure transducers. How much pressure are you right. actually putting on that joint? Right. You know, uh, you, you can actually sense blood flow. There are actually simple surface uh, things that today, the sensors that can actually measure the blood flow through the joint as a factor in that, Jay. Uh, they, it's got huge implications, but we got to get the docs to just understand the word technology. And 
artificial <laughs> intelligence. And, and it's listen, it's a there, learning they're experience. There. They're getting there a lot further along than they were five or ten years ago. And I think the uh, this is where the Six Sigma background comes in. When you talk about continuous improvement, having all that data being communicated around the world at your fingertips would make everyone want to become a better practitioner of what they're trying to help a patient with because they're seeing examples and it's at their fingertips to access. And I think that's what data is providing. And then you also have a a kind of a, I call it the referee, which is the AI. It actually tries to find the best possible outcome using all that data to give you the best path. And then like Dr. J can go in and actually take a look at it. So Tony, one of the things that we learned when in my, one of my companies where we were modeling data and looking at data, large numbers of millions, hundreds of millions of data points were using multiple hospitals, multiple specialties, a lot of clinicians in that. And one of the things that we learned from it uh, was not only the things that you maybe should be doing, the things you should not be doing in the process. And so the inference in some of those is not always, here's how you should do it. Here's sometimes how you should not do that. So it's grabbing both. But we know that in certain scenarios, uh, patients can suffer in the wrong scenarios, wrong conditions, can suffer uh, both financially and in some cases suffer their life, lose their life over things that shouldn't be happening. And artificial intelligence, machine learning, your inference kind of engine would been able to detect that. Even the several hundred million data points that we had, you know, you run an engine like that over a couple of years, you're going to be talking in trillions, if not even more than that, petabytes worth of data in, in a large community that you've got to look at. So um, so it, it can go, it can cut both ways, but either way is still a positive aspect of that. Jay, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And as you guys were talking, it, it just made me think so much about patient safety and the opportunity for us to help reduce the number of errors and defects and lives that happen like lives that are costs that happen because of these medical errors that occur. I think this is such an important conversation, um, and it's really important for chiropractors to understand and embrace these technologies, understand the importance of big data, understand the importance of artificial intelligence and machine learning so that when these technologies really become part of our ecosystem, like regularly, that they understand how to use them so that they can drive better patient outcomes over time. And to be a part of that data set, Jay, I mean, that's, you know, I hear a lot of docs say, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You've heard me make that statement before. But the fact is, if you're contributing your data through your claims, through your EMR, you are part of those decisions. And, and that's why I think it's very important, the message that we've got to get across, especially in our classes, that this is why being part of the data is really important. You want your uniqueness to be part of the data set. Yep. Yeah. And when the right when the right precautions are put in place, you know, data privacy and security are of the highest importance. And I and I think, you know, as we continue to move down this road of leveraging big data through artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of that, um, there'll be safeguards in place so that patients' data is protected. Well, I think about our guest uh, back a little bit about the No Surprise Act that we were talking about. You know, this is where an inference engine like this can lay out a care plan, lay out what that outline should be. And there, there won't be any surprises. There really will be that oversight that Tony was talking about 
that we can do within yep. that. Guys, it's time for another break. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We're talking with Tony Lemus today. We'll be right back. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Welcome to Infinity. We have worked hard to create an electronic claims website that is simple and user-friendly. This is the public side. You can log into your personal web portal here. This is your dashboard. You can personalize it to your liking here. Our main focus has been to allow you to submit and edit claims as easy as possible. You will find our claims editor and claims processing is simple to use and straightforward. Our quick action bar is where you can find your most important information. Most of these icons will take you directly to the claims the number represents. You can easily view if you have any messages in your inbox of any unread alerts by looking for these blue numbers. To view the rest of our training videos to get the most of your Infinity experience, click this icon. We hope you find this web portal simple and easy to use. Thanks for letting us serve you. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Cairo Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats. 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider's search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Cairo Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Cairo Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888-719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. And we're back. Uh, this is Tech Talk. We've had a great guest today, and uh, Tony Lemus. Tony has got a huge background in artificial intelligence, machine learning. Technology as a whole been around for quite a while in developing some of these things in other fields that's now being applied in healthcare. And one of the reasons we wanted Tony as a guest is the fact that as Jay and I talk about technology, there's a lot of docs out there that don't quite understand what we're talking about. And, and, and I thought Tony could maybe bring this to a reality. So Tony, we've talked some about artificial intelligence, but when we talk about the word machine learning, that scares people. Yeah, that's that. You know, in their mind, they see the Terminator, a machine versus machine, ultimately going to kill the kill the humans, kind of thing. Could you, in a lay person's term, define what machine learning is and how it is used in this field? Yeah, 
It's a great question. So the Terminator is pure consciousness. We we probably won't get there yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, machine machine learning is basically um, taking information or data from scenarios that have occurred and put together a, a pattern. So let me let me give you the best example. I call it the random forest algorithm, which is the simplest form of machine learning. So when you look at a forest, you see all this bright patches of green trees, but every tree, every individual tree has a certain pattern to it. And what you do is you take chunks of the forest and you're asking the question, you know, how many trees provided pine cones, how many trees had squirrels, and you're breaking up these trees or how many grew fruit on them. You're taking all these trees and you're breaking it all up. And every grouping has a certain size to it out of the complete sample. And what you're doing is you're looking at which one is the more common tree in the forest. And that's what machine learning does. It'll go through the random forest and seek out what the most probable combination of trees you have in the forest. And they call that the random forest uh, optimization. And what that usually tells you, that's your, and we were, we chatted a little bit offline here, but statistics is the world of what inferences led to the statistical outcome. And you're using inferences in the forest to say, what is the more likely statistical outcome of a tree that will form in that forest? And then you start taking that forest and you add multiple for you add forests around the country and you're seeing all these variations, but knowing what came out of one forest, and then you know what come out of another force, you're starting to group all these forces together what the more possible outcome is. The machine learns that. It learns what the more probable situation is based on the conditions of the rain, the wind, all of that, and it comes up with the most likely scenario that's out there. So machine learning, I think it learns from, it needs information to learn from. It's not something like you create it out of, out of scratch and it just starts thinking on its own. Machine learning needs something. It needs surgeon information. It needs chiropractic information. It needs anatomy information. You have to feed the engine the more information you feed it, the smarter it gets in actually sorting through the forest. And that's what and that's the power of machine learning. And I think that's misunderstood by a lot of uh, practitioners in the healthcare. They're scared about it. But all it is is providing you a sorting methodology to tell you what the best outcome is based on the conditions that you apply to it. And I and I shared with you in the past my woolly mammoth story that, you know, in the past, a caveman gets a spear and they know they can kill a woolly mammoth. Well, he might not come back alive because when you really consider the whole picture of how you hunt a woolly mammoth, which is bigger than a human being, um, it's how many hunters you go out with. What's the weather look like? You know, is the woolly mammoth a young youngling or is a strong, you know, big woolly mammoth? You know, um, you know, what terrain are you doing? All those are factors that need to be weighed into making a successful woolly mammoth hunt, not just a spear. And that's what machine learning is, is looking at all those different conditions and telling you what the best and right condition is to go out and hunt the woolly mammoth. That's machine learning. So, Brad, I can see why Tony's a professor, right? Yeah. He breaks Let's it down so simply. Even I, even I understand it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Don't be a woolly mammoth and don't worry about the Terminator. That's the, that's the clues to yeah. take away from that. Yeah. It's so funny because we've had discussions, like literally live discussions in front of a large audience, Brad, about people worrying about these types of things, right? And what's super interesting to me is is Tony, I don't know if the audience heard it, but I did. Tony used the word help. 
And these, 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 this technology, these technologies are designed to help, not replace, help. Uh, It's designed to, you know, make sure that we can be better providers and patients can get better outcomes. Um, Sometimes I think providers get too wrapped up in the rabbit hole and they worry Mm -hmm. about things that they probably don't need to worry about. Should we be concerned about data privacy, security, you know, the bad actors out there? Absolutely. But you can't stop technology. It's going to happen. So you might as well find ways to embrace it in ways that drives, you know, a better result for humankind. And I right. think that's what you're doing, Tony, which is really cool. That is, you know, and, and the bus is already, the train has already left the station on this journey. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, you've either got to get on it at the next couple of stops or it's going to be going so fast. Then you just got to sort of exit the train station and go home and retire. Yep. I, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm probably one of those guys that, you know, I'm at the age and the next 10 years is going to be so exciting in healthcare. Because of what's happening in a lot of the battles you and I have been fighting for 20 years, Jay, reimbursement, uh, you know, patient safety, equity, those kind of things are going to go away if this technology train does the right thing and stays on the track. Because it's going to find the people that understand it. It's going to find the clinicians that know how to implement, how to use it. It's going to find the clinicians that are not afraid of it, and it's going to educate the patients to the point they know what to expect, and uh, mm-hmm. th- th- they'll they'll go. And when something's not right, they're most likely going to understand it and know it. So I'm excited to see those kind of things come together in healthcare and make a better healthcare. It's really the the beginning of value based care today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And from your mouth to God's ears, because I think you're right. Yep. I agree. So, well, Tony, listen, I want to tell you, thank you. I know time sort of run by real quick. It, it, quick. it is always that way when we have an interesting guest. Thank you for spending the last 30 or 40 minutes with us. Uh, Jay, buddy, I am glad that you could join us. And I look forward to hanging out with you next weekend and teaching a little bit more about technology. Uh, to the people that are attending, we're going to be at the Florida Chiropractic Association. We're going to be in Orlando at the makeup session um, next weekend, thir- uh, Friday and Saturday. So if you're in Orlando, you're going to be there. Stop and attend one of Jay and I's classes. Uh, you'll learn some, you'll laugh some, and you'll have a great time. So from Dr. J, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. See y'all. It's Tech Talk.